This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Sean Farrell, CEO of QDS, or Quality Data Systems. He's got a great story. It talks about how he's almost tripled his bottom line and seen dramatic growth in his business by taking an integrity-based approach to sales. We're going to talk about the history of how they used to approach things, how they do it now, how focusing on results is generating better outcomes for his business, and what he really means by integrity-based sales. You're going to learn a ton about rapid growth from Sean Farrell. So, Sean, welcome to the program, man. Ian, I'm uh, very excited to be on the podcast with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I, I know that it's a great story you've got to share, but can you start by telling us kind of your journey and how you got to this role at QDS? Yeah, so our, our company uh, has now been in business 32 years. It was, it was started by my father back uh, in 1983. And never really thought I would go into the family business. Uh, I played baseball at the University of North Carolina, had always had the dream of being a professional baseball player, uh, got drafted by the Oakland A's, and uh, ended up diving for a ball in the outfield that uh, tore up my shoulder. And I had a couple surgeries, and it didn't really fix it. Uh, and in the interim, while I was rehabbing, uh, decided to, to make some money because I don't know if you know or not, but minor league baseball does not pay very well. It it's is not a uh, very lucrative field now. <laughs> it is not. It is uh, very much like Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen that movie. And uh, I was looking forward to trying something else and happened to find uh, a real passion for sales. I, I came on as a straight commission sales guy for the company and just really enjoyed that process. And as a competitive individual, uh, I just, I found that to be, a, you know, getting a, getting a good sale was, was very much like hitting a home run. And, um, you know, here I am 12, 13 years later, I became our CEO about two and a half years ago. And, um, you know, we've had some significant growth and it's been, it's been a real blessing to me personally. Yeah. Well, you know what? And I know you guys have done some exciting things. In the last couple of years, you've seen dramatic growth, but it it hasn't always been like that. So let's let's go back, you know, maybe a little bit a little bit longer than the last couple of years and tell me about kind of what the business was like and how things were going for the organization because let's face it, we can all talk about the current successes, but I think that we learn as much from the struggles as we do from, from the successes. So take me back a few years prior and how things were going in the business. And in fact, you know what, give us a little bit of background on the company and kind of what it is that you guys do so that our listeners have some context. Sure. So our company sells and services money handling equipment for banks, credit unions, and retail. So you know anyone that handles cash, coin, or check, we, we tend to have a process or a 
device or a service to help automate that process and hopefully deliver a better customer or member experience specifically for the branch location is really where we focus the majority of our times. And, and, and Sean, just to clarify for our listeners, that can be anything from ATMs and servicing those to when you're sitting there with the, the teller and you think, wow, what's that cool little machine that just that just you know rifled through the stack of of currency and we feel totally confident that they got the number right exactly so atms are kind of the the most popular one that everyone would recognize but there's a lot of equipment that that aims to serve the teller and almost acts like an atm for them so if you're cashing a check it's going to spit the exact amount out to them so they don't even have to count it to avoid mistakes and and certainly the dollar bill counters that are on the back counter that most people see that is a pretty amazing technical device so all all things like that so now that people have an understanding kind of what the business does Take me back a few years and kind of what was going on with the business and how things were going in terms of growth or not. Give us kind of the before before we talk about the after. Sure. So, you know, I came into the business back in 2003 and and really tried to migrate us from mostly a desktop uh, products company to more integrated systems and solutions, and we were we were experiencing solid growth. It was uh, myself, my father, and really that was where the majority of the sales force lied for the business. And you know we had kind of our best year ever in 2008, and then as as we know, you know Lehman Brothers goes down, and as a company selling products to financial institutions. Uh, we had about a, a 30 to 50% drop off in sales in 2009. I had never heard the word no as much in a 12 month period. A lot of concern around, Hey, I, I, you know, you're welcome to come by, but we're, we're more worried about making sure we're still in business 12 months from now than, than automating anything. So that was, uh, I don't have an MBA, but I certainly got an MBA in kind of, uh, economics through 2009 and 2010. Uh, but we survived. Uh, we continued to increase our value and what we were doing and, and grew our sales force. And, and really what, you know, through 2012, 2013, we were growing, but we spent a lot of time educating our now sales team of two or three people beyond myself, more on products and solutions. And as, as we are an integrity-based company, I felt like, well, maybe we need an approach uh, that would really be a foundation because I, I had gone through Sandler sales training, which was really kind of my background and, and was really looking for a foundational integrity-based approach that we could give all of our sales teams instead of having maybe four or five different sales approaches to the market. So that was uh, about the time we found you, kind of frustrated with our lack of performance in a, an improving economy. And uh, that's kind of kind of where we started from there. Yeah. So so if I look back to 2008, where you had your best year ever, then 2009, the company basically got cut in half or thereabouts, about a 50% drop. Is that right? Yeah. In, in sales, for sure. Yep. So you're, you're, you're ramping up staff to meet the growing business, and then the faucet turned off. And then, and then what, sort, what sort of growth did you see percentage-wise from, let's say, that bottom in 2009 through 2013? Yeah, I mean, I would say we were kind of growing at kind of that, you know, eight to ten percent clip on a on a recovery, which uh, certainly isn't 
uh, terrible. So that it, we we made a strong recovery. It was a little slower than we desired. We we grew our geography from about two states in the southeast to now nine states as we sit here today on this podcast. So yep. that certainly brought some additional challenges. Yeah. So so you've expanded there now. So in the last year or so, what sort of growth rate have you seen? Well, our our sales specifically from our direct side of our business have tripled year over year. Uh, so we have about a team of four salespeople plus myself that really their primary focus is to sell products direct to our end users. And um, I, I would say to watch our sales in that channel triple and still feel like we're not even executing at the highest level possible is certainly encouraging as we head into this year. But we did have a a company record uh, revenue and most importantly, bottom line last year and, and really starting to put some things together. So it's been been exciting. So I think we grew you know closer to 14% on the top line, but nearly 250% on the bottom line, which is kind of the number that matters, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... Um uh, that 250% bottom line growth is, is I think, what most people – in fact, I think most businesses out there, if you said, hey, listen, what if you kept the top line flat and and tripled the bottom line? Most people wouldn't complain about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just means that you're finding better customers or th- what I should say is the right customers where you're, ad- where you're adding the most value. So what are some of the things that you've done as a business that you feel have contributed to that growth rate for you? Well, I think we have narrowed a lot of our focus. Uh, as a company that's independent, we, we basically have access to maybe any product or service that the market n- may need, which is typically customer-driven for us. But one of our things that I've really driven is to kind of focus on three or four key areas. Uh, and, and again, to use kind of the, the elevator rant scenario, if you will, it was much easier to define the areas where we're the best people in the world at at solving Solving that challenge, so I, I think we have been um, better served to focus. And uh, when you have products that are more expensive and are driving a higher margin, but are providing uh, incrementally larger value to the end user, and focusing on that, that has been a huge driver of success for us. And I think if you tie in expertise to that, so. We have been kind of on our inbound marketing journey as kind of disciples from uh, from your buddy, Marcus Sheridan. And it's taken probably a good 18 months to two years to really get that rolling. But I mean, I even look at our metrics now and the biggest article we had last month was written in December of 2014. Uh, so that so that shows me that 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 SEO stuff really does work, and um, I've had clients uh, in the last ninety days say, "Yeah, when we search this specific term, you're like the only company that shows up." So I, I think we're able to um, act as a thought leader. Uh, portray our expertise. And since we have a narrower focus on results for our clients, uh, that expertise comes across well to our customers. And by the way, I mean, for anybody who's listening, who's not already following my friend Marcus Sheridan at thesaleslion.com, he's got a couple or several podcasts that are definitely worth listening to. And um, just a wealth of knowledge on his side about the right way to create content. Now, you you mentioned this idea about if you're focusing on results with your clients. Talk us through that a little bit. What do you mean by that? 
I think everyone out there in business is and in sales specifically believes that their product can help folks. And it's it's certainly frustrating as a salesperson. And there's certainly a number of memes out there where you've got the the people rolling with the square wheeled uh, you know cart, and you're sitting there with the uh, a rubber wheel that can help them. And you know they're they're too busy to to take your meeting. So it, it's been nice to kind of approach clients from a here are here are problems that other clients have come to us to help them solve and we've delivered really good results for them um, and it changes that dynamic and as I was talking to another one of my sales guys kind of preparing for this call and I think he's been one of uh, the best disciples of your training is unlike a lot of companies who want to back a truck up to their lobby and have uh, a huge amount of stuff that they love to drop off for them, uh, our approach is very much more of Here's the problems that clients have come to us to help solve, and we've been able to deliver these results. Are are these challenges you're facing? And you know, in financial institution branches, you know, there's there's a lot of similarity in the problems. Although everyone does the same thing a little bit different, most of the common challenges are around staffing and efficiency and and generating deeper relationships. And those are all areas that we've helped clients be successful. And it's really been a, a good approach for us. Yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you to think about the kind of interactions that you had with clients, let's say, three years ago versus the types of discussions you have with clients today. So, and, and I realize this may be a challenge just to really think through it, but think about, can you describe what's different about the conversations that you would have with them before taking this approach versus today? One of the things I think is remarkably different is one of the benefits of being an independent company is we, we tend to carry products that may not be necessarily a brand leader in the space, so more of a, a brand X type box that, in our opinion, delivers as good, if not better value for our clients. So I would say our team would be focused a little more on price than necessarily driving value for the end user. This, so, is, this is in the past. This is in the past. So you know, being the less expensive product, our team would tend to focus on price as one of the key drivers. Well, now even though our pricing is still in line or maybe even still be less than some of our competitors, we are more focused on the value that it's going to return them and and how effective that that particular solution is going to be at solving that problem. So um, again, just changing the dynamic. I've, I've had a conversation with even one of our largest customers here in the last week uh, where they were anticipating spending maybe north of $100,000 to achieve a goal. And as I've gone through the analysis, I think we might be able to achieve that goal for five dollars to $7,000. So to me, from a credibility standpoint, I believe that that solution can get it done. And, and if you truly get into that role, which is where I think we all want to be as that trusted advisor, the way we have approached clients over the last year or two has put us in position as the trusted advisor with a much larger percentage of our customers than just being the, hey, you're, you're bid one of three and we're in kind of that never-ending follow-up behind you know voicemail and emails that don't get returned. Sure. And, and there's two things that you just said that I want to make sure our listeners capture. The, the first is this notion that 
that for your customer, you're you're so focused on the result side of it that the discussion no longer becomes about price. And what happens is that I think that in many businesses, the reason why the customer focuses on price is because the salesperson focuses on price. So the the salesperson says, oh, here's how much you were going to spend. Well, maybe I can save you money on that. And the reality is the customer is probably more concerned that they get the results than saving money. But if they're thinking they're going to get equivalent results, then of course they want to pay less. The other thing you said that I'm sure a few people are jumping up and down right now saying, but wait, his customer was willing to spend about a hundred thousand dollars and, and Sean's only selling him something for five or 7,000. That's what integrity based selling is all about. It's not selling somebody something that they don't need. It's not just capturing every dollar you can for the client, but delivering extraordinary value, even if it means you leave some money on the table, because that client is now going to be committed to you forever, and they see you as truly that subject matter expert or trusted advisor they can rely on, and they'll refer you to everybody they know. Exactly. I'd rather not make the money in that specific situation and and deliver subpar results that may strain a relationship versus, in my opinion, I'm going to get a lot more money. Again, this is one of our larger customers. So I'd rather do the right thing and achieve the result with a less spend now to find a different situation where I may call on them. And based on the research that we've done, it may be a $200,000 investment that that we recommend. But when I come to them with that number, I have the credibility of, well, instead of being the guy that's always trying to sell the most expensive solution, if he says we need to spend this two hundred grand, then that's probably what we need to do because... He saved us ninety grand, you know, the last time we had this conversation. Yeah. So let me let me ask you a couple questions related to kind of the sales process and how you're approaching things now versus how you did before. So you you noted that your your top line has has grown at about a fifteen percent level. I think you said fourteen percent. The bottom line two hundred and fifty percent. Your direct sales have more than tripled. And here's the part that's probably going to catch some people by surprise. So when you're doing that, are you pursuing three times the number of opportunities as before? Absolutely not. Um, I, I think if you are engaging in the right manner, the opportunity f- for individual prospects becomes larger because you know one of the things with this approach that I like is there may be a specific problem or a trigger that has led to a meeting and if you are truly integrity based you're going to ask a lot more questions and probably uncover potentially a broader challenge so if this is an institution that has 10 branch locations and they they are really calling you because they're having an issue at one but as you dig in and are looking for more results and finding challenges in the organization, well, they may find that that's a, an eight or nine branch problem and, and you begin to have a larger solution to help the same client that's even going to deliver better results than they were anticipating by just doing it at one location. So I would say we, we may be pursuing fewer clients on a annual basis, but... Um, you know, for instance, an average sale for us three years ago may have been $10,000 or even less than that. And in the last week, like on Monday of this week, for instance, we closed about a $250,000 project that was just one location. So for us, having that solution and expertise 
it, it has been larger revenue dollars and profit dollars on fewer opportunities. Yeah, which is, you know what, it's just music to my ears to hear that. Now, here's here's the other part that might catch people by surprise. So someone, I guarantee, is listening saying, yeah, but if I'm asking all these questions about the results and I'm digging into these things, then that's going to mean it's going to drag out my sales cycle and make a longer sales cycle or a longer sales process. And what's your experience been? Well, one of the other key points that uh, my other sales guy talked about was the one of the points that has impacted him the most is getting to the truth faster. And when you have that approach, I, I think there's many a sales manager or many an owner looking at a large sales pipeline and wondering why this stuff just sits out there forever and ever. And one of the things that has helped me personally in my sales approach is the whole concept of if it is not an eight or higher priority for the client, you better bring your checkbook or it's just going to sit there forever. So I think it has helped our sales team to really focus and understand as we go through the process, if this isn't important for this client to solve right now, this is something we would have wasted time and resources on in the past. And now we are kind of, okay, we understand this is maybe a five right now. So we're not going to completely close the book, but that's certainly going to kind of go to the back of the funnel and let me find another client where I can deliver results and it's important that they get these results quicker. That's, that's, that's great insight, Sean. And it's something that I think a lot of people overlook. So today, if your average sale is dramatically higher than it used to be, a lot of people would assume that your sales cycle is longer. But in your case, is it longer or is it actually shorter? I, I'm sure we have variants at, at both, but, um, you know, we we had one that was a fairly large sale. I mean, we're talking in the the forty thousand dollar range, which is still a a relatively large average sale for us. That that happened inside of two weeks from when we got introduced to this client. So I mean, mm-hmm. it was literally we we got introduced to this client. We had one meeting. There was a an exchange of of expertise, and and they signed off on the order in, in the next week, which I wouldn't say is a common occurrence, but it just shows how quickly if you approach things the right way and ask the right questions and certainly have the right people in the room. You know, when the president or the CEO is in the room and that decision maker, and obviously you know how CEOs make decisions. You've certainly talked about that plenty on the (laughs) podcast and being able to format the presentation into this is how you're going to get the results. This is why you need this solution. You know, stuff can happen a lot faster than it has in the past for sure. Yeah, that's great. Let me ask you a couple kind of closing pieces of information here. So what's the biggest lesson that you've learned that you think can help other businesses that kind of will give people insight into things that maybe you see the world differently at um, today than maybe you saw before? If I'm looking out for all sales organizations, one of the things that we have to overcome the most is the poor sales experience from someone else. So if I had to give one piece of advice, we we are very much an integrity-based company and we use this solution to sell in an integrity-based manner. So it would be 
do the right thing for your customer. It doesn't always have to be the most profitable thing in that particular situation because if you do the right thing for your customer, they're going to come back and they're going to grow the relationship. That's great. And you know what? And that's that's a major reason for your guys' success and why your customers value you so much. So what's the best way for people who have questions or want to learn more about you to uh, to find you online? Sure. Uh, our website is simply qualitydatasystems.com. Uh, we don't really have anything to do with computers, but uh, we are trying to focus more on QDS as kind of an IBM style for that. Um, you can email me at sferrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L, at qualitydatasystems.com. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at QDS underscore Lion. So those are kind of our, our main channels. Excellent. All right, Sean. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Send my best to your dad and the whole team there. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks again for having me on, Ian. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of what I think are the key takeaways you can take from Sean's interview. First, recognize that by focusing on integrity, they now position themselves differently with their customers. Now, instead of spending more time on product-centric information, they help their salespeople understand how customers are making decisions. And through that, they've grown their bottom line by 250%. He also noted that he narrowed his focus rather than expanding it, and throughout having this tremendous growth, they're actually pursuing fewer opportunities. He also was invested in creating expertise and establishing their expertise through the methods that Marcus Sheridan teaches at thesaleslion.com. Remember, this program gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's someone you think I should have as a guest on the show, or there's a topic you'd love for me to cover, just drop me a note personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at growmyrevenue.com.